culture of your home is the incubator of character. You are the only mother that your child has. You're the only father that your child has. You're the only person who can be you in their life. And you have a lot to offer. Isn't the goal of parenting not that we have these 42-year-olds who are still coming home on time and cleaning their rooms, but that they actually leave and we have hardwired them for the virtues that we want to see in them? The thing we all have in common is that we are interested in our kids' future. I know the Parent Network exists to help moms and dads in whatever way you can, when you can, and how you can help moms and dads help their children have the future that God's promised them. Well, hello and welcome to the Parent Network Podcast, episode 31. I'm Sass. And I'm Marcy. And we are glad that you are joining us here in uh, this year of real parenting. Marcy, I'm, I'm going to have to break down mm-hmm. and tell everybody something that Uh-oh. as a parent that I have been wearing as a badge of honor, I now have ripped off. See, I don't know. I'm, I got to push you on this, guys. He has been thinking about himself more in this than that's what you keep saying. I know it's a problem. I can't, now I can't be that parent anymore. I know it's a problem. We it's finally gone. gave our 14 year old son a cell phone. And you are no longer that cool, steadfast high school <sighs> parent. It's painful. Whose child doesn't have a cell phone. It's painful. How does it I, feel? It's painful. I mean, yeah. it's sin- I mean, it's like selfish and I got to stop and let it just go. Just truthfully, let's yeah. talk about the fact that you are not a failure. That, okay, that thank does you. not indicate that, you know, like you did not give in. No, that's true. There was no giving in. That's true. We, we talked about it for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you have, you had a plan. You stepped yeah. into this. You kind of knew it was coming. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. it was your decision, really. That's correct. Yes, well, yes, yes. I think you let CJ and you, CJ was involved in some of that conversation, right? A little right? bit. I mean, yeah. he, he's been a little, I mean, he's been great kind of over the years yeah. of kind of knowing he wasn't going to get it when everybody else got it. And, you know, but, but along the way, mm-hmm. he's like, how close and how soon? We did set up kind of a, hey, buddy, if you kind of can, can display, it wasn't an earned thing, mm. but if you can display this and this right. kind of character-wise and work ethic-wise mm-hmm. over the next couple of months, then we'll, we'll kind of think about getting closer to it. Yeah. And oh. uh, anyway, we're there. Well, I have to know. Come what, on. You got him. I think you mentioned it to me. What kind of phone did you give him? Oh, he's got an iPhone 6. IPhone but it's Karin's old phone. It's okay. not his phone. Yeah. It's our phone that he's using. So this is, I. you know, my oldest is five. And I have had many moments where I've been super frustrated that she doesn't have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. In the sense that I'm looking at this bed on Amazon. She needs a new bed. But I've got to include her opinion in it now. No, and you don't. I, I, I do. I oh, do. come on. I do. Because I, I want to encourage her creativity. And I'm very boring in the sense. That's fair. You know, like, That's fair. I'm okay with leaning into that for her. Um, but I have been, I have had moments where I've been, like, sitting in the school parking lot waiting for her to be done and thinking, oh, let me just send her this link and see if she likes it so I don't just buy it. And I have to stop and go, she doesn't, she doesn't have a phone. She She's doesn't have five. a phone, but it's convenient. So I yeah. am all on one hand, like, very impressed that you guys have managed to wait this long. Well, thank you. But also excited to see how you guys manage it from here yeah. forward. Well, uh, to be honest, you know, part of uh, when Chef was here kind of talking about that in one of our podcasts, um, it, it pushed me to be ready because, you know, what he talked about was how, you know, this – digital world that our kids live in it's not going away right 
and we need to be able to kind of help coach our kids yeah. through what it means to live in a digital world. Right. And so I, I probably do need the next two and a half years yeah. to do that with him because and, that's all I have now. Right. And one of those right? big things that he talked about that we th- is believed to be causing so much anxiety is the cell phone, yeah, no doubt. is the access. No doubt. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, and I absolutely believe that with both of our kids, they have experienced less drama mm. and potentially less yeah. anxiety in their life because they haven't had it. So yeah. all that to say, just from kind of what we decided and from mm-hmm. our family, parents, if you haven't gone down that route yet, wait as long as you can. Yeah. And your, your kids and you will figure it out. For instance, literally just today, our daughter uh, needed, she needs some money for, she's going to the volleyball game after school and she forgot it. She's 12. She doesn't mm-hmm. have a phone yet. Guess what she did? She figured it out. She borrowed somebody else's phone. And texted Karen. Same thing I would have done years ago. I would have gone to the office yep. and called home. Kids yeah. will figure it out mm-hmm. uh, if they have to. And that's actually part of what I'm you know, proud of Kylie for is she had to figure out how to get in touch with us yeah. to get the information and you know all that. So, Marcy, speaking of that anxiety that you mentioned a few minutes ago, we got a great yeah. interview today as we continue to lean into to what we're calling real parenting, uh, parenting through real issues. And one of the things that we, we do know just in studies and you know, when we're around kids and families here is that anxiety continues to be on the rise yep. with kids. And so the interview today is with our friend Courtney Everett. Courtney works here at Port City with our middle school ministry, coordinating the volunteers. But yet she is not just uh, in the middle of the lives of volunteers. She is in the middle of the lives of students and parents and families. And so, Marcy, talk a little bit about kind of what we're going to hear from Courtney today. Well, what's really cool about Courtney is this is not new to her. She has been working with students for so long and her husband and she'll talk about this a little bit he's the our college campus pastor basically right like yeah college ministry director yeah all right so he she has had a lot of time to spend with college kids as well but it's interesting when you talk to her she talks a little bit about how she's seen that anxiety that was present and very very prevalent there kind of drop down into the younger kids and now it's reaching middle school we're talking about it with high or elementary school students um but to goes along the lines of being able to understand that we have more access to knowing what anxiety is and looks like today um but it is it's insane it's you know it's gotten to the point where i i struggle to meet parents who don't have a child dealing with it somehow um but courtney is fantastic when i was a small group leader i had some kids who were dealing with that um in in a scale that you don't want to have to deal with and she was the first person I went to, and her response was just so beautiful. So I'm really looking forward to this interview. Yeah, and in lots of ways, Courtney gives us as parents just some great suggestions and some insight into how we can deal with our kids. Because at some level, our kids deal with anxiety. Uh, all of our kids do at some level, and mm-hmm. so we all need to be paying attention to it. So um, after the interview, Marcy and I will come back and chat for a few minutes. But for now, enjoy this interview with Courtney Everett. So I'm here with my friend uh, Courtney Everett, who actually just exudes wisdom, and you will realize that after you listen for a little while, right? As I laugh. Uh-huh. No, no, no. I told Courtney a minute ago, I think she's going to become a regular on the podcast. So Courtney, I- I'm not going to tell everybody about you, but you tell everybody about you, and then we'll, we'll talk about what we want to talk about. Okay, awesome. So I am on staff at Port City, and I work with Tsunami, which is the middle school ministry. So I hang out with students a lot and with leaders a lot. I'm actually the small group coordinator and I also have a family with basic full of middle schoolers. 
almost have a eighth grader currently and I'm going to have a sixth grader next year. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have not only kind of been around middle school ministry for a long time, but talk a little bit about kind of being around college students and college ministry in your world, because I think um, that plays right into this. That's our dog, Bailey. Absolutely. If you heard that. Okay. Um, Yes. So I actually have, have been around Port City for a long time since the beginning of Overflow, which is our college ministry and have hung out and worked with college students, led small groups for the better portion of my life, yes. actually, wow. when I think crazy? about it. I know when I say that out loud. Um, and my husband is actually the college pastor of Overflow. So um, I just have the privilege to hang out with a lot of college students. Um, was a young life leader as well in college. So spent a lot of time with high school students in that season of my life. So um, so you have pretty much just run the gamut of hanging out with middle school. I, above. I have, and even preschoolers, preschool teacher too. Oh, wow. So there you go. Okay, mm-hmm. so we got it all. And mm-hmm. you've had kids who were in elementary school. So Absolutely. Pretty much mm-hmm. an expert. That's what you are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, here's what we're going to talk about today. And this is a topic that just over and over again, we hear from uh, parents, we hear from students, we hear from you know, young adults. It's just this idea, or, or the, the fact, rather, that um, there is more and more anxiety uh, with kids today. And Courtney, I know that you were kind of... <laughs> live in that world all the time with all the different, you know, middle school kids, high school kids, young adults that you're around. So, so maybe just part of what we want to do today is just encourage parents, help yes. parents be aware mm-hmm. of kind of what's going on. There's been a recent stat that says, I think in the last year or so, uh, anxiety has gone up like 36% and, you know, other studies say even more than that over the mm-hmm. last number of years. So mm-hmm. just talk a little bit about kind of your perspective on the anxiety that our kids are facing today. Well, I have very personal experience with that as well. Um, One of my daughters struggles with anxiety and um, have walked with her in that since really third grade. And it's been several years now. Um, Working with students, working with college students, high school students, um, you hear their stories and their narratives and how they're processing life. And anxiety is a part of most people's story, I would mm-hmm. say, on some level. Um, whether it is debilitating, whether it is um, chronic, or whether it's something that they just deal with kind of regularly, but not every single day. Um, I feel like anxiety is something that used to be something you didn't talk about, but mm-hmm. is becoming um, more acceptable to talk about. And yet still, I hear students all the time having these emotional um, kind of crises and they don't want to talk about it. And really down at the center of that is anxiety or depression. And let me ask you this based on something you just said. So, um, you know, the stats are all saying anxiety is going up, Mm -hmm. uh, but but you said you think it's just kind of... uh, People are willing to talk about it more. Absolutely. So do you, do you think that anxiety levels are going up or do you think that it's just kind of more um, normal to talk about the anxiety? Like, did you and I have the same anxiety? Yeah, did our friends have the same anxiety? You know, I would say both and, okay. honestly, because I can think about even in my childhood, I was a very anxious child. Um, so I get it honest. Like, you know, I grew up with a mother who was actually very anxious. Um, and so... To say that it's increasing, I think, is true, but I also think it is much more normal to talk about than it was when I was, you know, a middle schooler. Um, It was something that, you know, I felt inside and certainly wasn't going to say on the outside because, oh my gosh, something is wrong with me. Yeah, that's right. Um, And I think some of, I mean, even the church stepping in and talking about anxiety and mental health, I think has kind of 
given students freedom within the walls of our youth group to feel like, hey, I can talk about this. It's not that I'm broken. It's not that I'm the only one who struggles with this. Yeah, it's right. something that I don't have to be scared to admit. Um, so perhaps it's a both and. Yeah, no, that's great. And, and I'm certainly thinking about, you know, one of the big factors that we know contributes to anxiety with kids nowadays is just the technology and Absolutely. social media and the way that life is lived out there. Yes. And everybody's looking, everybody's yes. evaluating and you're feeling yes. that pressure. So tell me, talk a little bit about how you see and, and feel that. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that when it comes to students and technology, I mean, there, there's all kinds of evidence. I mean, lots of research that's being developed right now. Um, we don't see the, the effects of that's a lot right. of the things that our, our students are currently dealing with. We don't know what it's going to do to them in the future. Um, but one thing that I do see constantly is just even in the access, not even social media, not even living public lives, but the access that they have to information. Yes. Um, whether that's good or bad or helpful, I mean, in some regards, it's awesome that computers can look up anything and you can learn anything about anything at any moment, at any time, um, and feel like you have so much knowledge. But with the access of knowledge, I feel like there's also this pressure of um, processing that. And sometimes students, when they're getting the knowledge, aren't at a place where they can process that emotionally or reconcile. Okay, like, yes, there was a, a school shooting and I can read all about it. I can hear students' stories. I can feel their pain. I can have the knowledge of this 100%. And then I, I can have, see pictures of it. I can, I can see watch pictures of it, it. graphic yeah, images right. of it. I can see it anytime I want. And yet I might not be at a place where I can process that and don't know that I need to. Mm. So there's like this intake without this processing, I think, and this evaluation of all the information that's coming in and it's just sitting there. And as it sits there, I feel like it stews. So just as much as it is social media, I think it's the stewing, the like, um, it's like a pressure cooker. You know, all these things are coming in and unless they're helpfully processed emotionally, um, spiritually, unless they're processed, they just kind of sit there and stew and they become, they fester and they get out of control. And I think that's what we see when it gets to a crisis point is things have stewed, have festered. They've been hidden. Um, and not even for, because someone's trying to hide them, but just because they don't even know that they need to process that. Yeah. And they don't know where to go to process Absolutely. or who's safe to process with. Absolutely. And you said you didn't have wisdom. What, what, hey, wait, hey, what, hey, hey. What, what you just described is something that I know we've said on the podcast before that I heard I don't remember when but but how kids today they're more um, exposed to things that are going on in the world mm-hmm. but they're not more mature absolutely and that that's what you just described is, mm-hmm. is we don't our kids don't have the maturity to process all of the information that's coming into their brain mm-hmm. um, and it's more and more information every day and they just that that makes them anxious it, it, pressure cookers are a great analogy mm-hmm. of what that is and yeah. I mean, I feel like with that, if you think about even adults as parents, um, we have to learn how to healthily process the things that we encounter because we also live in that society where information and access is constant. Um, What was different, you know, even, I mean, 15 years ago, um, as far as things being out there all the time. Um, I mean, we have to learn how to process that emotionally. I mean, you know, I have doomsday days where I'm like, oh, the world is falling apart and everything is so dark and it's so much pressure. Um, So I think as adults, as parents, we have to learn how to process that if we're going to help our children do the same. Absolutely. Can you think of anything else that's going on culturally that you would say is contributing to the anxiety that that our kids are feeling? Hmm. 
Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of pressure on kids now in terms of when I, when I hear kids' stories, it's surprising to me that a lot of times the thing that they're most anxious about in the world is school. Um, it's performance, which that's not new to this culture. Um, but performance based reality, I think is Mm. where they live. Um, and I look at, you know, just thinking about it as I was driving over here today, um, to talk that when a family is set up with a culture where it's not okay to not be okay, then, then what is the what's the metric how do you say okay then i'm successful it's only by performance yeah that's right and so you know i think as family sometimes we do that even unintentionally we do that um but i do think you know even society the fact that a degree in college doesn't have the same weight as it did 20 years ago you get out of college and you don't get a job it's really hard to find a job um you know, I have friends who are 26 years old who hate the place that they are in life because they can't find a job. That's right. And so there's this there's this weight of responsibility and this anxiety that comes with it. I think, um, but I think that starts very very young. I think middle schoolers feel that. Oh yeah, because we start teaching it to them inadvertently real early. I mean, yes, testing. I mean, yeah, there's right. there's so many things, but I do feel like there's this sense. That's the other thing that I would say I see is this sense, this pressure for performance, for excellence, for perfection. Um, perfection certainly drives anxiety. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you talk most, most students, most people who are anxious have a propensity for perfectionism. I mean, I say that like I am an authority of that, but in my experience, in my own life, in my daughter's life, in the people that I talk to regularly, they have a sense of wanting things to be right in the world. And when they're not, that causes anxiety. And that can be on any spectrum, whether that's, you know, their performance or relational things that are happening, things that are completely out of their control or things that are completely in their control. Um, I think that kind of drives and feeds into it. Um, Also... I think a lot of people who are anxious are pretty intellectual. I mean, you can see that um, they are thinkers. They're not people who, you know, are necessarily processing everything in front of everyone. Um, They're thinking about things. Um, I'm an extrovert for sure. Um, I'm not like an extreme extrovert on one side, but even still, I am a thinker. Like, and I just called myself intellectual by by default, but I wasn't trying to. Um, Courtney, the thinker. (laughs) But that is something I think. um, Being able to process and think through things can sometimes produce anxiety. Yeah, internalizing thoughts. Sure, because there's pressure in that. Absolutely, and figuring it out. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay, so so given the fact that we know anxiety is on the rise, that kids all the time are talking about being anxious, what we really want to do is encourage parents yes. in the midst of that. So where would you go to, to just say to parents who either have children who they know are dealing with anxiety, who they themselves as parents are dealing with anxiety, mm-hmm. or, or maybe even there's a hint that your kid might be dealing with anxiety, but you're not sure. Mm-hmm. All those people, mm-hmm. how, how would you encourage them in, in just really attacking this? Something I already said, <laughs> but to set up a culture in your home where mm. it is okay not to be okay. Mm, that's good. Because a student is never, a child is never going to feel like they can share what they're feeling if it's not okay to not be okay. 
because by default, what they're confessing when they're anxious is that I feel like things are not okay. Like yeah. I'm not okay. I'm broken. I'm, I'm broken. Yeah, Something's sure. wrong help. with me. Whether the fact that that's not true sure. is irrelevant. Right. That's right. That's how they feel. Exactly. And so there has to be a safety there that that is going to be welcomed, welcomed and not fixed. Mm-hmm. Sure. Because as parents, I mean, I do this, you know, the first instinct is we want to fix what's, what's wrong. I mean, when something is hurting our children, we want to attack it. Like a mama bear comes out, we get fierce. We want to claw at it and get it out. Um, and that's not exactly how you deal with anxiety Mm. because, you know, I would like to say that anxiety just magically goes away, that there's a cure, that there's a a magic pill that you take and then you never struggle with it again. It's going to ebb and flow. I mean, it's it's going to be a struggle maybe that someone can wrestle with for a long time. There can also be great freedom of it. Like, I mean, personally, myself, I would say anxiety is not something that dominates my life. Do I experience anxiety from time to time? Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. I think we all do. Absolutely. But have I experienced anxiety where it did feel like it dominated me? Absolutely. And so I can say with absolute confidence and freedom that there's hope for your child who is experiencing a level of anxiety that feels debilitating. There is hope and there is freedom in that. And there are tools that that children can be taught um, to be able to capture their thoughts. I mean, I would say that that is at the core. I mean, there's certainly a chemical sometimes element to this, and I'm not saying that that's not to be investigated. Absolutely. I mean, I think seeking professional help is often a great first step. Um, whether that is a counselor, like a mental health therapist, or if that's your pediatrician, wherever you want to take a step, I don't think that's a bad step at all, but there is always a component of thinking your thoughts and capturing your thoughts. Um, you know, scripture says to take every thought mm-hmm. captive that is yep. in opposition of Christ. And anxious thoughts are self-consuming thoughts. When it comes down to it, when you're becoming anxious, a lot of times it's thinking and talking and only considering yourself and you get so wrought with how you feel and how you think that it's really hard to get outside of that. Yeah. So, um, I think there's a, there's a toolbox that you can build essentially with your child to help them process their anxiety. Hmm. One of the things I love about what you said too is something that actually um, Mike Ashcraft said when he and kind of and Julie and kind of their family came mm-hmm. and did one of our big parent network events. He talked about reducing the pressure at home. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of what I what I heard you say was the, you know, make it okay to mm-hmm. for the, not to be okay. I think that also just applies to in school and it applies to in your sports performance and all the things that our kids are mm-hmm. are a part of. When we as the parents can reduce the pressure and make it okay to not, you know. Mm-hmm score the winning goal Mm -hmm. or not to get the best grade. I think Mm -hmm. um, all that plays into it as well. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. What else would you say to encourage parents? Anything else? Um, I think there's a lot of pressure on parents when you have a child who's dealing with anxiety, who you're, you're aware that they're dealing with anxiety and you're trying to help them walk through it. There is a lot of pressure. And I think there is a lot of Sometimes guilt that happens Mm. as a parent. Like, what am I doing wrong? Did I cause this? Am I making this happen? Um, I think there's really a space where if you are a parent dealing with a child who has anxiety, 
you have to just go to Jesus and mm-hmm. work through it yourself. Um, in terms of, I remember there was a moment and I think it was when my child was in third grade and I can remember just praying and writing in a journal and writing down, God, I'm not okay with the fact that this might be my daughter's forever. And I, I mean, I just had to write it out. Like mm-hmm. I had to come to terms with that was what I was feeling inside. Um, so I think just as much as we want to help our kids when they're dealing with anxiety as parents, we have to do work too in ourselves and let God just even reveal spaces in our hearts of fear, um, of guilt and shame, because I mean, sometimes it feels like it's our fault as parents that we're doing something wrong that's causing this. Um, and that is certainly not the case. I mean, um, your child internalizing and processing things and um, being afraid and just all the things that play into anxiety, which I didn't say this before, but fear is a huge part of anxiety. I mean, huge, huge, huge part of anxiety. Um, And sometimes irrational fears. And you cannot speak to a child. Can't fix that, right? No, he was irrational. Rationalism, rationalism, is that a word? Rationalizing with a child who has an irrational fear is like shooting yourself in the foot. Good luck with that. Yeah, it doesn't work to say to a child like, no, that is just not true. Who believes with all of their heart that Mm. that is true and they are terrified of it. it. It doesn't do any good. Yeah. You yeah. got to love them in that space instead of trying to fix them in that space. But that's really hard for parents. Oh my gosh. And it's a long journey, I'm sure. It is. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of patience. Um, it takes a lot of submission to God. Um, it takes a lot of prayer. Um, and I think you have to have places where you're processing it. As an adult. Yes. Yeah, sure. Like friends, your community, where you're not isolated in it because it can become a burden that feels too heavy to bear. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good stuff, Courtney Everett. Um, <laughs> and I also want uh, any parent who's listening out there who you feel like you know you're, you are isolated and mm-hmm. you, you need help, please reach out to us yes. and let us know. A, we don't have answers for you, but we can walk with you. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for sure in a number of different ways. Or if you you know are are not necessarily near Port City, or you know you're you're in another city, whatever, um, reach out to your local church or some somebody to walk with you through that and help you have community around you. So, okay, Courtney, anything else you would want to say? Not necessarily just about this topic, but, you know, about um, anything, parenting, Hmm. funny story. Goodness, goodness. Too many of those to share. I don't want to embarrass my children. Um, One last thing, and it does have to do with this topic, is just to love your kids like Jesus. If you Mm. look at the way he... Um, entered in, even in, I mean, it's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, I used to look at this verse, and it would make me angry. And I bet if you have a child who's anxious who reads this verse and you try and give this to them, it makes them angry because it puts more pressure on them. Because it says, do not be anxious. And um, it took a long time for me to understand the heart of this. And I think in that, you see how um, 
how to navigate anxiety with your kids because this is a father's heart saying, do not be anxious. It is not, do not be anxious. Right. I am going to discipline you in your anxiety. It is a, it is a, a loving, yeah. encouraging, like, do not be anxious. It is stealing your life. It's like, be okay. I, yeah, like I want for you more than this. It is mm. not a, a spiteful or, yeah. um, or, divisive instruction it is to bring unity and so I think to just think about that when you are loving your kids because I mean when a child is anxious and it's irrational goodness sometimes you want to discipline um <laughs> yeah and because that's what makes life easier in the moment. absolutely which you need sometimes you yes yeah, sure. but but it doesn't help them to process and in, in fact sometimes it puts them at odds with you in, in, in a sense that they don't feel like they can share what they're yeah. really feeling. So, so in that, when you're coming to your child, do not be anxious, not do not be anxious. Like, why are you feeling this way? It is a, do not be anxious. There is life and there is hope and you can get through this. Mm, that's really good tone. That's good. So. Yeah. And it makes me think too, just a lot of what we talk about is how, how one of the goals is to have a relationship mm-hmm. with your kid when they get to be in their twenties or thirties mm-hmm. and all this, you can't help your kids with them if you don't have a relationship with Absolutely. them. And so just pursuing that relationship so that you have the ability to love them and encourage them um, through all this is just so critical. So, okay. So like That's I said, I Courtney's coming back. I'm not sure <laughs> what about, but we'll figure out something because she's got the knowledge. Uh, Anyway, thanks, Courtney, for your time. Thank you. Okay, Seth, so you got to sit down and do this interview, and you are more than familiar with what kids are dealing with these days with anxiety and depression and all that. What was the thing that stood out to you the most in this interview? I think I had one thing that stood out to me personally, just kind of in dealing with our daughter, who doesn't, I don't think, have anxiety, but Mm -hmm. some of what Courtney talked about was really really um, apropos and it's it's how oftentimes when you try to rationalize with a child or you know a kid or a teenager that is is not in the same kind of headspace that you are yes either developmentally or kind of what mood they're in whatever it mm-hmm. is that when you try to use rationale it's just never going to work yeah and sometimes i think as parents we put our foot down and think oh this rationale should work, mm-hmm. um, but it just doesn't. And so yeah. that was good for me to kind of remember that in dealing with our kids. And the second thing was just when she talked about, you know, we have to just offer our kids hope yep. and hope in Jesus. Yeah, um, I think that's true, you know, for all of us, that if we can get to a point where we're not angry at them, frustrated at them, you know. Or ang- belittling yeah, what they're that's going right. through. Yeah, yeah not not belittling what they're going through, but mm-hmm. that we can offer them hope in Jesus yeah. because that's what they need and that's what we need mm-hmm. in the midst of trying to help them through it. So those were two things that really stuck out to me. Absolutely. I think um, being a constant in their life is always, mm-hmm. it, especially through this phase, like you just have to be the person that your arms are open and you're there to help them um, and give them hope consistently. Yeah, that's right. Agreed. So. Oh, such good yeah. stuff. And I told Courtney, and I think you heard it in the interview, we'll have her back again yes. to talk about more stuff like that yeah. for sure. Well, it is a heavy topic and it's super common right now. So it's definitely something we're going to keep yep. discussing. That's right. We've got a few other yeah. folks kind of uh, in and around our church who we know would be really great to talk about when it comes to this topic. And so our hope is, is that in the next couple of months, we'll have a few interviews like this, just Perfect. sort of specifically targeting helping our kids deal with their anxiety yes absolutely well i'm so glad she was able to do that yeah, me too. so we want to talk about something a little bit more fun okay come on um how about let's talk about how many 
thousands of parenting books there are these days. Crazy. It's overwhelming a little bit. It is. Okay, so what are you reading right now? Well, I've got two of them I'm reading right now, and I am terrible at, like, reading one whole book through and then getting to another one. I've got to read a little bit of this Mm -hmm. one and then a little bit of that one. So two of them I'm reading right now. One is um, called When Kids Hurt by a guy named Chap Clark, who you guys may have heard us reference before. Chap's a um, professor, pastor, youth ministry, family ministry guru. He wrote a book years ago called Hurt that is kind of a a study on um, high school and adolescence and all that kind of stuff. And this is kind of the companion parent book, I think, where it just talks about all the different things our kids are hurting with. And the, the, the systematic abandonment is what he talks about that our culture has sort of put onto our kids. It's really fascinating. Ooh, that is interesting. Um, yeah, it's really good. And the other one is a little bit, I wouldn't call it lighter, but maybe it is. It's a brand new book out called Growing With, mm-hmm. uh, written by Carol Powell and Steve Argue, and uh, they're from the Fuller Youth Institute. Had a chance to kind of be out there with them for a couple different cohorts we've been a part of. We, we used that book to talk to the Phase 3 middle school yes, that uh, was parents very good. Um, in our Phase 3 parent night a couple weeks ago. So Growing With really just talks about how we as parents need to be on the journey with our kids and kind of not sitting across the table, mm-hmm. you know, against our kids and issues and mm-hmm. things of life, but really how we need to be on the journey with them and how at different times in, in kind of the 13 to 29 year old range, <clears throat> our kids need different things. Yes. They, they are kind of in three different phases through that. And they kind of couple in growing with what they're doing with some of the phase research. Those two organizations, Orange and Fuller, have a really cool kind of symbiotic relationship back and That's forth. That's awesome. So it's not exactly like it's just a phase, but mm-hmm. it's similar. So our kids are doing different things during kind of three phases. And as parents, we need to play three different roles Wow. for them throughout those three different phases. Whoa. So anyway, it's a lot of good stuff, but it's called Growing With. I'd highly recommend it. Well, yep. thank you for sharing. Marcy, are you reading anything good now? I am. I actually, well, and I, I do the same thing as you. Well, my husband and I are both the same way. We have a constant stack of books on our end tables. Um, but we also have a regular Saturday library hour that we do with our kids. So um, we're those weird parents that just sit in the corner reading our books. And we're like, where did our kids go? Hopefully they uh, don't have automatic open opening doors at the library <laughs> we're at that week. Um, but I actually grabbed uh, How to Be a Happier Parent, Raising a Family, Having a Life, and Loving Almost Every Minute of It Interesting. by K.J. Del Antonia. I think I'm saying that right. Um, but inter- interesting, though, it's really... The conversation is like we overdo it. Um, so I'm seeing a theme in what I'm grabbing because I'm also re- reading How to Raise an Adult, Break Free of the Overparenting Trap. And Josh Shipp? Uh, that is actually by Julie oh, Lithcott-Hames. Okay. So she is a professor at Stanford. And she talks a lot about how you see how parents are kind of over-involved in their kids' lives. And then they arrive to college and have no idea what they're doing. So I'm balancing this. I want to learn so much about parenting, but when am I overdoing it? Mm. And that's what I'm, I'm feeling that tension right now. So I'm really digging into that. One of the things that, that Karin found for me, Karin's my wife, um, and kind of something I'm working on is she found the kind of the new term, the lawnmower parent. Yes. Have you heard that, about she this? Talks she lot, talks a lot. She that? talks yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah. For those of you who don't know, you know, for years there was the helicopter parent who just sort of hovered around their kids and sort of one of the new terms is a lawnmower parent mm-hmm. who basically just kind of mows down everything in front of their kids and kind of paves to the way. To make their path easier. Makes yeah. the path easy, makes the path straight. And then, you yeah. know, at some point when the kid hits college or young adulthood and yeah. no longer has someone mowing the lawn in front of them, they don't know what to do. Yeah. And how to raise an adult. She talks about how there is a, a woman who does this like 
rising sixth grader kind of meeting with parents and she talks about she opens it up every time she does it she travels and does this and every time she opens with hey if you're still cutting your 12 year old's meat for dinner it's time to stop (laughs) and it's supposed to be funny and lighthearted. and she said every time she gets two or three emails from parents who were like thank you so much this was so valuable I probably should stop cutting my child's meat and it, it is interesting because I have found myself with my five-year-old doing things that she is fully capable of doing she had homework sitting on her desk on her on our table the other day and we were late we were rushing late and I thought if I just color this real quick we'll get out the door faster and it was like no I can give her crayons and she can color in the car we asked her to do it last night it doesn't have to be perfect I, you know, I don't have to no do this. No judgment on you yeah. if she colors outside the lines. But, it, yeah. Right. And so there's stress that we put on ourselves it, as yes. parents. So it goes back to how to be a happier parent. It's learning to let go of things. Yeah, that's Like good. that's not my responsibility. That's so good. Yeah. So. so we should do this more often. Talk about different books we're reading. I love it. Problem is it'll be like another six months before I get to any new books. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe we'll have to do this later. <laughs> anyway. Hey, well, thanks for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed our interview with Courtney Everett. And uh, we're looking forward to a whole bunch more uh, that we have coming up soon. So bye-bye. Bye. Bye.